Father. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, oh, I was just reading my Bible. What story are we doing this week? <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, call back later. You guys. Oh my gosh, I almost got in trouble. <laughs> this week, we are talking about Prophet Elijah's faith. Welcome to another episode of Bible Stories with me, Brianda. Brianda. And of course, we got Clara behind the wheel. Clara, how are you? There we go. <laughs> Very good, Clara. I'm here today. I'm ready. You guys, she's getting better, guys. She's getting better. Mama, how you been? How you doing? We have your friend in the studio, Nina. Hi, yes. Nina. Hi, Nina. I acknowledge everyone in the room always. Yeah. <laughs> how you doing? How's Is she crazy? <laughs> good crazy? I agree. She's a little nutty, but I love her. That's why we keep her around. <laughs> Babes, we've How got a long episode today. We've got a lot to talk about. Mm -hmm. We have no gifts, no no presents. Um, no, it's fine. I'm not bitter. I'm not mad. Thank you guys for all the presents you sent. Thank you. Oh, you you've had presents for like four episodes in a row. <laughs> no, it's good. No, you've spoiled me. Now I'm like, where are the presents? <laughs> there were none in here today. I'm mad. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm obviously kidding. But um, I wanted to go back to, remember listener questions? Mm-hmm. Just because there have been, a, since the pod has been growing, yeah. we've been, I've been receiving some of the same questions and I'm like, you know what? Let me just answer it here. Mm -hmm. They'll probably continue asking me them. I'll probably say this again in episode 45, but just don't, I'm a broken record here. Mm -hmm. uh, the question was, what's my denomination? Like what denomination of Christianity do I practice? Hmm. Solid question. I mean, given my delivery, <laughs> given the way I like talk about the word, I can see how some people would be like, what? I don't know what you are. I feel something in my spirit, but I don't know what's happening. So I'm, I don't have one. That's the thing. I don't have a denomination. I'm non-denominational mm -hmm. Christian. And I hate that word too, because as far as I'm concerned, I'm just a Christian in that I read my Bible every day. I have you know, my hour of devotional worship, that's like every day. That's mm -hmm. something that I do not, uh, I, my world revolves around my devotional hour, kind of like a job in the best way. Um, I am just a Christian. That is how I put it. I believe in Christ. I believe him to be my Lord and Savior. He is my ideal. He's my North Star. It's Christ. And I pray to Yahweh, that God. <laughs> like, I don't know. I used to say, like, I am a relationship with God-ist. Mm -hmm. I, I just because I, I don't know if it's an aversion or if it's because I grew up with no faith at all and no religion that I'm now, I don't, I don't want to be a revisionist either. I don't want to make, I don't want to make it seem like I'm leading some kind of revolution. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, if anything, like the pastor who does my Bible studies and the person that I go to for all of my Bible questions is a Seventh-day Adventist and yeah. that they're super conservative by the text, by the book. I, I like that. Uh, because then it allows me to then like apply my lived experiences and my lived, you know, uh, upbringings mm -hmm. and I get to kind of process that and then you get this show. Mm. So anywho, that's, that's answers that my denomination is there is none. I'm just a Christian. But that's, that's 
the denomination, not Christian. Like I always ask you, the Christian is the general one, right? Yes. Well, like Christian the is the general one, but it's also like to be a Christian is to believe that Jesus Christ is a was is our Messiah mm. and that he will be coming back and he is our Lord and Savior. There are things you can't just call yourself a Christian and not believe those fundamental things. And of gotcha. course, follow the commandments, fear God, all yada, yada, yada. That's not what I'm saying. I don't have to say that again. But like, <laughs> that's essentially gotcha. what it is. Now, there are a lot of different sects of Christianity. Harris mm -hmm. chair, we everybody! Yeah. We have to change this chair. <laughs> we really do. We got to oil that thing up. Um, yeah, so I, uh, there are different, like, Catholics are Christian as well. Um, there's Protestants. There's Methodists. I get lost. There, yeah, Baptists. There's there's so mm. much that I do not, I don't follow. Identify. I don't identify by that. I identify by Christ. Mm. I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I, if, if any of the listeners who know, oh, I get schooled by our listeners on the daily. And I love it. I welcome it. Correct me, please. I love it. So I'm sure one of the Bible babes is going to have something to say after the, once this episode <laughs> drops. Please let me know what you think about my, you know, not conforming to any uh, other tentacle of Christianity. And that's not to say that I couldn't maybe, you know, that, that may change later. But for now, that's what feels the most comfortable. Okay. It feels the most truthful. Cool. And, uh, the the last question that I wanted to talk about, because there are two. Okay. And I wanted to make sure we had time for it. Okay. Okay, everyone. Sips tea. The question was something that was brought up on Twitter. Ooh. I retweeted something, and I really want to see what the Bible babes have to say about it, what the people have to say about it, because, of course, I quote tweeted it, and so many people disagreed with me, and I was not expecting this. I can't, why am I always a contrarian? I don't even try to be. But I had tweeted, or I retweeted this thing that um, this what girl is? that I follow, what? Are I'm, you pulling it up? I'm literally oh, I have it. looking for it. No, yeah. I have it. Uh, I have it here, babes. Okay. And it said, if you can be friends with your ex, you either still love them or you never did. Ooh. And I said, 100%, 100%. I agree. Oh, yeah. I was met with oh, so much aversion. They were like, oh, this is BS. That's, I'm amazing friends with my, oh, 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 oh. yes, there are exceptions. You can get on well with like a baby daddy or like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like if you have a child in common and then you grow apart and you can get on well with them, have like a good relationship. Yeah. But friends, like that's a, a next level of intimacy and like relationship. That's, I don't and so. listen, I have no place to talk. I have no baby daddy. I have no baby. But what I will say is now time is the, is the kind of the defining factor here. Like mm. I don't know any baby mom, baby daddy relationship, co-parenting relationship where they didn't need to take time where they hated each other True. or not hated, but like weren't Get over with yes. whatever they had. True. There was time where they needed to let the stuff cool off. Mm -hmm. And then they could revisit a platonic relationship. Either way, it took time. Mm. So the only concession I'd make in that argument is time. Maybe with time, you could have a totally platonic relationship with the next where you'd, but I just don't. I still don't think so. Sorry. Me too. I agree. Oh crap. I, I thought you were going to disagree with me. No. I agree with this. I don't think you can be friends with your ex without there being some kind of... Also, it's a very logical thing. Like, if I don't want to 
be in a relationship with you anymore is because I don't like you anymore. So if I don't like you <laughs> no, as a person, why would true. I want to be friends with you? Yeah. No, no, that's not true because you can you can end a relationship and not completely dislike you dislike them for you personally, romantically, but you can still be fond of them. Get a point, but either way, what I, what I guess the argument that I'm trying to make is I don't see where there's a reality <laughs> or, or, or there's 100% honesty where you can sustain a relationship with an ex and not still have feelings for them or not there be a possibility of that. I don't know. Am I wrong? Nina, Nina also, doesn't agree. What do you think, Nina? I mean, honestly, you know, if your ex was in, like, a sexual relationship for a short period of time, it's like, do you really need that friend? Is that That's like, it was a very specific relationship. And then later, you're like, you, when you really look at your life, how did they fit in your life? You broke up. So why do you need them as a friend? Mm. And then the other side is like, okay, there were scenarios like um, the circumstance, like, was there really any love? Was it just sex? And you can separate sex from these scenarios very easily as well. And you're like, oh, you know what? I really like them more as a person than I did with this sexual relationship. Marriage is another story because there's a lot of other trust issues that go out the window. Mm. And then with exes, it's like, the trust is gone. There's no friendship. So why do you need a friendship? True. Sure. Also, another thing I will say that is coming to my mind is it depends how long ago was that relationship with this person. Time. I'm like, so that's what oh, I'm saying. Yeah, right. Time is that that variable. Yeah, but also how serious? Because like I'm 32 right now. If we're talking about a, a relationship that I had when I was like 18, and we didn't end in bad terms, we grew apart, whatever, and not even so. Like, no, I would not. Oh. I no, I'm friends I'm with my the guy who took my virginity. We're homies. That oh, was ten no. years ago, and we talk. are over that. I don't even talk to nobody. Like you're out, you're out. This is done. You're out of this. Life. I, I'm on that same Circle. boat for Hell everything no. else. I think the line is ten years because he's the only ex that I'm friends with, <laughs> <laughs> and we were also children, literally. Like I lost my virginity in a walk-in closet, guys. We have that shared experience, and it bonds us for life. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Bible babes, let us know what your thoughts are because a lot. Lot of, I got a whole lot of hate for that. They were like, oh, no way. I'm I'm friends with my ex right now. It's like, you're secretly in love with him. Stop lying. Does the Bible say anything <laughs> about this? What happened? Does the Bible say anything about this at all? <sighs> um, I mean, I'm sure I could pluck something out like... Uh, like baby daddies? <laughs> <laughs> no, no I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm sure. I, I have well, to, you're supposed to like marry the one that you find in the Bible. Right. So and that's why you actually, Nina was just saying, and you say it to me all the time. Uh, so in my religion, we are to, again, I was saved three years ago, three years ago. So uh, wasn't practicing back in 2015. I can tell you that much. Um, but uh, it, my religion tells me that we are to be intimate with our husbands and our husbands alone. Like, But you can still have a relationship, even romantic, without the sex, though. Bingo. Before Actually, you marry. So that's like, my, it doesn't really... For sure. And I think that it you develop a certain level of intimacy 
in every other way because the sex has been removed. Mm. So they become attentive and lovers in other ways. It's awesome. It's really, really awesome because they have to, right? I'm not completely neutered of that. Like I still desire that kind of intimacy, but it's now our job to be really experimental and inventive mm-hmm. with how we do that. Of course, I, I wouldn't say that since my celibacy, I the longest I've dated a guy was like three months. And then there was that four month guy that ghosted me. But um, yeah, I'm still heartbroken over that. Uh, but that's what my religion. I remember you, you even spoke about it. In the did I, did <laughs> I talk about it? I think it? you read the last message here. Oh, I did read the last message here. <laughs> um, but actually, no, I was so heartbroken after that because he was like, he would like, when you're a celibate girl, there are guys who are going to be game for that and guys that would consider it and then they pull back and then they're like, actually, but no. then those are the ones that are not for you. Exactly. And that's what makes religion such a great, like it may, it's such a great scaffolding for me personally mm-hmm. in, I know, in developing a relationship. I know what my blind spots are. Uh, I know what my shortcomings are uh, emotionally and my emotional development along with like some childhood stuff that I'm trying to work through and stuff. Mm-hmm. Religion has been the best kind of training wheels for me to, protect protect myself a bit and also protect someone else because I have been a really crap person to other lovers in the past. It's true. Like, I know. You guys think I'm a little, you guys think I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> no one thinks I'm a sweetheart. <laughs> But um, it's true. Like there are some men who I've, I've, I've treated poorly and I don't want to do that on the opposite end either. So mm-hmm. uh, all that mumbo jumbo to say that religion actually dissuades us from casual sex and casual Um, like dating culture, even. Do you think you'll rush into marriage now? The, like, uh, when you find, I would like. Well, know. listen, let me tell you something. Wait a minute. <laughs> Brianda has thought about this, and she has thought about this a lot. <laughs> I I have a feeling that the next guy that I'm serious with will probably most likely be the man that I marry. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe not, though. Maybe not. I'm not mm-hmm. going to marry myself to any one idea. Because uh, I know that I my most important relationship is the one I have with God. Mm-hmm. And if anything doesn't meet up to that or if I'm not convinced, I guess it kind of is convincing. If I'm not convinced that the Lord put this person in my life to edify me and for me to edify them and for us to like build something together uh, with the with that scaffolding of Christ in mm-hmm. there, then I know for a fact that that's not it. So that's I'll have to be able to re- say goodbye sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you one thing. <clears throat> Mama... <clears throat> Mama hasn't seen up close in a long time. Uh, <laughs> a long time. Mama's been cold and alone. Mama's been afraid. And if I meet my husband and he knows that I'm his wife, oh, honey, we are not going to have a long engagement. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? what? Two-year engagement? What? I've no. heard you have a venue reserved already. You have a date already. <laughs> Who told you, you that? Just, you Who just need the husband. <laughs> I don't have the husband, but I did reserve the space. No. <laughs> No, I did not, guys. No. Um, what I'm saying is like I, I could see myself eloping like after six months, seven months if we really believe it. I don't blame you. You know, I'm fabulous enough to get divorced, but I do not want to get divorced. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? Like Elizabeth, I, for whatever reason, I feel like I romanticize Elizabeth Taylor and her all of her divorces and stuff. I'm not going to be this way. I actually, you, I, we've talked about it before on a mm-hmm. previous episode. I'm never getting a divorce ever. Like we're going to handle that. Whatever business we got, Whatever trials and challenges we face, we're going to handle in-house. 
because you're chained to me, okay? Anyways, um, let's uh, dive into the episode. Uh, but before we do that, you guys, another uh, reminder for our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Bible Brianda. Actually, today, Claire and I are going back to our house and we are Zooming our babes for our end of the month um, monthly Zoom. Yay. Are you excited? I am. I am. I just, I'm going to start reading the books though, because I feel like... You should probably start reading the books. But Clara, you're such Today a Today ba- caught me a little bit off guard. <laughs> Next book, I'm in. But, but to be honest with you, we probably will only allot like 20 minutes to the book because I want to get to know them. So I'm probably yeah. going to be like, how'd you hear about us? Like, who are you? That's why. It's a, it's a good start. Like, it's a good first episode to not be like exactly. so much into the book. But yeah. Exactly. Next month, I want to do The Alchemist. Oh, that's good because I've read that one already. So. Oh, amazing. Okay. And I like it. I think I feel like that'll be a good one to, to I don't know, to follow this one. If you guys have any ideas, I may start doing Bible books, narrations. So let me know, leave ideas in the comments and yeah, visit our Patreon. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Let's go. And now guys, we are going to dive into this week's episode, Prophet Elijah's Faith. Now, before we hop into the root of the story, there are some house rules so we understand more uh, of the context of the times. So this episode, we are only going to be discussing uh, the update on Israel. Clara, map again. We're just going to be talking about uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. And um, next week, we'll talk about what happens in Judah because that one's really spicy too. But what we know is that from where we left off last week, King Ahab is now the king of the north. And he was no good. In fact, he was famously one of the most wicked, evil, terrible kings of the north. In fact, the Lord says it. King Ahab, you sucked. But let's hop into some scripture for some context, okay? We're going to hop into 1 Kings chapter 16, verse uh, 33. Uh, Let's see. I may give you guys a little bit more. Mm. Let me give you chapter 16, verses 29 to 33. I may skip around. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 22 years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord, more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah, another God. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the other kings of Israel who were before him. You guys, that's that's what I'm saying. He was like hated in a whole nother level because we know a lot of kings in the north messed up, Mm -hmm. but they ain't never had the Lord tell like, speak like this, you know? (laughs) And not only that, King Ahab also rebuilds Jericho. Now, Clara. You were here when we were talking about Joshua and Jericho, but I'm going to jog your memory because I know you and I love you, and I'm sure uh, some of the Bible babes need some jogging of memory too. There was something that Joshua said in the book of Joshua chapter six, and he says, after he burns down Jericho, remember with Rahab the prostitute, Mm -hmm. she was from Jericho, they burned it down. Joshua said, 
no one is to ever rebuild Jericho ever again by the Lord. This is what I'm saying. And anyone who does, their first son's going to be sacrificed, killed, and their youngest is going to be killed. Oh, and guess shit. what? This ends up happening. But wait, let me let me let me give you exactly what the scripture is. Spoiler! From Je- I know, I know. Gosh, I got to work on my storytelling <laughs> abilities. But, um, let me tell you guys. So um, in Joshua, Joshua says in uh, Joshua chapter six, verse twenty six. Uh, After the Lord God gave the city of Jericho into the hands of Joshua and the people of Israel, Joshua pronounced a curse on the city. Cursed before the Lord be the man who rises up and rebuilds this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn shall he lay its foundation, and at the cost of his youngest son shall he set up its gates. You guys, this means that the prophecy is fulfilled because as we know in 1 Kings uh, chapter 16, verse 34, in his days, Yale of Bethel built Jericho. He, meaning uh, Ahab, laid its foundation at the cost of Abraham, his firstborn, and set up its its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, the son of Nun. So I know we just went bang, 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 back and forth in the Bible, uh, which if this is your, if you're new here, sorry about that, but uh, OG Bible babes know we hop in and out in, we hop from one book to another book because you know that laws of hermeneutics, we are supposed to read the book by reading other books at the same time, but it's tough to understand that unless you practice it, but it's fine, we're here, we're growing guys. Uh, And basically, Ahab rebuilds Jericho, which is a major no-no. His first son dies, his youngest son uh, dies, and Ahab don't give up. He just, it's like, that's how evil he was. And, And it also shows you that the Lord's prophecies always come to pass. We don't know when, but they always do. Psst, had to interrupt the show. Are you tired of not knowing what stocks to invest in? or even where to begin? Then join the Red Panda Stock Club, started by Ian Dunlap, or as we all like to call him, the Master Investor, or we know him from his contributions every week with Earn Your Leisure. There are a lot of people talking about investing, but none of them have the track record that Ian has, okay? The proof is in the pudding. He called to invest in Moderna at 43 in April of 2020, and it's currently at 408 which is an 820% return. Listen, once you join the Red Panda Stock Club, here's what you'll get. The four best stocks to invest in long-term, the best entries on the planet, a year's worth of the best companies to invest in, the worst companies to stay away from, unlimited access to the Red Panda team for 365 days, and lastly, you also get a weekly meeting from Ian and the Red Panda family every Monday night at 9 p.m. Central after Market Mondays. Listen, are you tired of getting your ass handed to you in the market or simply want to learn where to begin to find all your tools that you'll need? Red Panda is the place for you. Go to joinredpanda.com and enter code BIBLE for 50% off for the first two weeks. After that, it goes up, guys. So take advantage. Please use it. Please use it. Use code BIBLE. Back to the show. And I'm sure you guys are wondering, Who is this Elijah guy? The guy whose name is in the title. (laughs) Well, Elijah was a prophet, a very important prophet found in the book of Kings in the Bible. And his name means uh, Yahweh is my God. In some translations, they don't say Elijah. They call him Elias, 
or Elias. I don't know oh, how to say it in English. Elias, I've heard that. Elias, yeah. The, in some translations, that's what they use as his name. Mm. And at this point in the story, we already kind of covered the the hate and disdain that the Lord has for Ahab and all the, the terrible stuff that uh, Ahab has done to the north. So at this point, the Lord commands Elijah, the prophet Elijah, to go to Ahab and say, hey, by the way, what you're doing is terrible, an abomination in the sight of the Lord. The Lord is now going to place a drought on all of Israel because of Ahab's sins. Let's hop into some scripture. By the way, there's going to be a lot of scripture this episode, so grab your snacks and your notepads, okay, guys? Um, and I do this because it's really important. What the text has to say is way more important than what I have to say. Am I right, Clara? I guess you just make it more fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Clara, for the support. <laughs> uh, okay, First Kings chapter 17, verses 1 to 3. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. What the Lord is telling uh, um, uh, um, uh, Elijah, prophet Elijah at this time is, Listen, you already told Ahab that it's about to be a drought. Now you need to leave because now you're in danger. Like you need to go. So the Lord tells Elijah, go off. Wait, he goes mad deep. He goes by this uh, creek, which they call like a brook. A creek is como, como se dice? Como un valle. Valley? Un poquito, no, menos. <laughs> Algo más ah, pequeño, um, creo. Pero si quieres, you can look it up while we're while I'm talking it. about it. But the Lord sends him off to some creek in a faraway land, far away from the north. And at this time, Elijah is so scared, depressed, like, because he still feels the Lord and he's still his heart is still aligned with the Lord. But the Lord has commanded him to go to a place that has no food, like nothing, like there's nothing there. He's literally starving. But you know what the Lord does for him? What? He commands birds to give Elijah food every single day. What's, what, what? Clara, like, what, Clara? I was like, that's sweet. But at the same time, you could have just sent him somewhere where there's food and not there's over There's a drought, complete. Clara, there's a drought, woman. In some other city or something. Well, he's... Well, let, me, let me finish the story, Clara. <laughs> because the Lord provides him with food. The Lord always provides. He ends up providing him with food. Now, what I will tell you is the food runs out <laughs> because the creek runs dry. <laughs> so, but, but, but don't get smart with me, okay? The Lord did. So, wait. So, then uh, uh, Elijah is like... He's like, okay, well, 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 what now? What do I do now? And the Lord says, listen, bro, I got you. What you're going to do now is I'm going to send you off to another area, Zarephath, Zarephath, and there's going to be a widow over there, and she is going to take care of you. Trust me. Ooh. No, no Clara, 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 get your mind out of the gutter here. We're talking <laughs> about the Bible. Okay. Anyways, so, the, um, so uh, now Elijah's left the creek where he was hungry. He now goes to Zarephath, to the widow. He's still hungry. But he goes there assuming, you know, that the Lord's got everything covered. The Lord spoke to the widow and was like, yo, we're going to have a visitor, you know, so prepare the beds, make sure the linens are clean, you know? <laughs> and 
you guys, Elisha goes goes there, sees the widow, and Elisha goes, oh, hey, you're the widow, right? I, can I have a glass of water? Oh, and some bread too. Bring me some bread. And she goes, honey, I'm hungry myself. Where do you think I'm going to get that bread from? <laughs> like, literally, she literally was like, bro, what are you even talking? Oh, I'm sure I have a scripture for that. Like, she's literally like, what? There's not, how could I give you what I don't have? Actually, we can talk about this for a high tangy. The Lord sent Elijah to a place where they were supposed to provide him with nutrients, stuff, mm -hmm. things. And yet he goes there and that is not the case. Hmm. Who was supposed to provide him? The widow. She ate it herself. Was she fat? No, oh, no, no, she was <laughs> not fat. I don't know if she was fat. I don't know. The Bible doesn't, doesn't expand Maybe on she that. She ate it all. And... But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like, there's something to be said about that moment where Elijah at this point, he's prophets are man are men. I mean, they're people. Yeah, yeah. They're not some superhuman. They don't have superpowers or whatever. Like this is a man who had faith in the Lord. His faith brought him here. And yet it isn't necessarily the easiest place to be in. And unfortunately in life, that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. Obeying isn't always easy, you know? Um, well, but my question here what? is like, you always say God is just. Mm -hmm. These poor men, all he did is tell the other guy, yo, Lord said that, y'all mm -hmm. gonna like float or whatever, like this is going down, and now I'm following you blindly to this other spot. He's not following him blindly. No, following the Lord. Like, That's not blind. I mean, like without question, like without questioning, like just yeah. in, in his faith. Okay, let me go here. Oh, we ran out of food. Let me go there. Why the, like these poor this guys? This is a man. Like, no, 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 no. Mama, let me take, let me break something down for you. What you said, what you said, you actually meant. You said blind. Faith shouldn't be blind. Faith blind should, meaning like without I question. Know what, and what, but what I'm saying is that without question, that obedience without question comes from a deep understanding that the Lord is our sovereign Lord. And a part of our work is obeying. Um, for example, the Lord provided food and security to thousands of Israelites in the wilderness centuries before what's occurring now. This is back in the times of Moses. Mm -hmm. Elijah and any God-fearing person understands that the Lord has no bounds. There's not, it's limitless. So like you see your circumstances, your faith does not hinge on the your circumstances. And that takes work. Yeah, I'm just saying it doesn't seem very just to me that this poor man is just spreading the word that the Lord is telling him and now he's... You know what you remind me of right now? You what? know what you remind me of right now? What, you? You're, what, no, you, you remind me of... Hi, Tangie. You remind me of the people who like come at other people and defending, like putting a superhero cape over a group of marginalized people when they're not the ones that are marginalized. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I, something about, there's a, there is a white woman in the room. I don't want, I'm not, I don't mean any offense by this, please. It reminds me, like, when I see a white woman cape for, like, and, like, hard, violently, for, like, causes that, like, they, that don't directly affect them, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm happy, I'm happy that they have support. But something inside of me always says, 
but why are you being so loud? Like it it's makes not me feel. Of the, I'm just, I'm just objectively looking at the story. This guy is following what the Lord said. Now he follows him somewhere else. It's where not, is the justice? No food, no nothing. Like no, it's not objective, it. and I'll tell you why. Because you're mm. reading or you're uh, not allowing the Lord to speak through the story. But I understand that because mm. you're not, you don't believe in God. Mm. Like I understand why you would think that way. Remember when I was saying like too intellectual, too into the, like the, none of these messages are going to land mm. if that's the lens that you read it with, but it's an understandable and valid lens. Like I'm not trying to crap on oh, okay. this lens and much like you're not trying to crap no, on mine, no. but it's not going to make sense. We're basically beating a dead horse here because, mm -hmm. and also you still don't know the end of the story. Okay. Okay. Great. So, um, the, right now, let's hop into some scripture to describe, you know, the la the last couple of uh, uh, the last couple of beats in this story. So, we're gonna go to First Kings, chapter seventeen, verse eight through nineteen, to learn a little bit more about the widow. I may skip around. Uh, Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So Elijah rose and went to Zarephath, and. When he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare for myself and my son that we may eat and die. She's telling him, dude, me, her and her son are dying. Like, it's just not happening, brother man. So uh, Elijah then tells her, and Elijah's capping right now. He has no idea that, he's saying, the Lord's gonna take care of us. The Lord's gonna feed us, I promise. But like I said, Elijah's a man. He's just trying to be strong for a woman who's clearly a little more weak. In the moment, in that moment, mm -hmm. maybe it's, she, she's a mother a Lack widow food, had yeah. to have lost her husband somehow, you know, maybe it was recent, who knows, taking care of a son, you know, her circumstance is different. Poverty, yeah. Exactly. And also a woman at this time, we've already discussed this before, but let's hop into First uh, Kings chapter 17, verses 13 to 15 to break down a little bit more about what Elijah says to the woman. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. So they had like an infinite amount of food because of the Lord. And because like that, at that point she was like, oh, you're, oh, you may be a little bit, you may be a little, little, there's something here. The Lord is here somehow, but she still wasn't even fully convinced. Mm -hmm. She was really convinced after this. All of a sudden the widow's son gets gravely ill. They even said like um, the Hebrew word for uh, like breath. Some people say that it was death, like he had died, oh, no. which the Lord has been known to bring people from the death dead. But I was looking at the etymology of the word and I, I, a few of my sources canceled it out. It wasn't death. It was just that his breath was faint. Mm. Okay. So he was almost going to die. Shutting down. And at this moment, the, the widow's like, 
you come here, take my phone, kill my baby. Why did the Lord do this? Why did you even come here? And Elijah starts freaking out. Oh my God, this woman who was sojourning her, like the space and like being there for him. The, the Literally, Elijah picks up the boy, carries him, takes him to, to like a, another spot mm -hmm. and literally gets on his hands and knees and prays to the Lord. Lord, please, 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 please. I feel so horrible right now. The oh. son is dying. Please, Lord, please. I need you right now. I need you right now, please. In this moment, I know I've needed you a lot, but right now, please save this man. Like, like what can I do to do? Like she, he's just praying, crying, mm. foaming at the mouth, praying, please save this boy. And the Lord saves the boy. Of course. In that moment, literally. It's like, <gasps> I can breathe again. Breathe again, breathe again. What song is that? Da, na, 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 na. No, okay, whatever. Um, wait, let me, let me hop into some scripture so you guys know more about how the Lord saved this sick boy. First Kings chapter 17, verse 20 to 24. I told you there was a lot of scripture. Uh, and he cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again. And he revived. And Elijah took the, the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Does she fall in love with him? Oh, no, we're done with her. Uh, oh. No, no, no. I'm not that we're done with her. They expand a little bit more, but it's not like a, a Ruth and Boaz okay. situation. Uh, and I, I guess to put a bow around that, yes, you may see these stories and it's like, oh, how cute, how lovely, how whatever. The root of this, where God, where is God in this story? Let's Let's all talk about it. Where is God in that little situation of him praying over a dying kid of a, a kid of a woman who'd been helping him so much what do i take from it again i could be wrong it's my interpretation bible stories with brianda but it shows me that prayer is more powerful than any of your challenges and any of your obstacles and i could even i'll even pitch this in a secular lens like it's a shift in perspective a shift in perspective can do wonders on a circumstance and that and it takes work it's it's a practice like that's not something you, you don't just get up and say i want to be a marathon runner and run a marathon it takes disciplined regimented practice and you go by two two miles two miles grows to five miles grows to ten you know what i'm saying same mm -hmm. with faith work you know, same with meditation, awareness. We were talking about Sam Harris. Like, that's how I'm an avid meditator as well. And my first year, I was doing under 15 minutes. And now I'm doing over 40. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, same with prayer. Like, pra the practice of prayer is way more powerful than, than what you see. But you have to try and you have to want to see it for yourself. Anyways, vamos a continuar. Does that make sense? And now guys, we are now in year three of the drought and we're going to focus our lens on more of King Ahab and his right-hand man, Obadiah. Now there's something that I should let you guys know about Obadiah. Unlike 
his king, King Ahab, who was an evil, wicked man who married an even more evil, wicked woman, Jezebel, uh, Obadiah actually secretly loved the Lord. Like he had to in secret because otherwise he couldn't be chummy with, with, uh, with Ahab. You know what I'm saying? Um, at this time, King Ahab, his wife, Queen Jezebel, she had sentenced like 400 of Yahweh's prophets, the Lord's prophets to death. But you know what Obadiah did? Obadiah took the prophets of the, the Lord's prophets and hid them away in a cave. And would give them food to share. Like he was keeping them up. So that's how we know that Obadiah was like, yes, he was working for the bad guys, but he was not worshiping Baal like all of them. Mm -hmm. Because we know that Queen Jezebel was, uh, she literally, her faith is Baal. Like that that was her religion. And she didn't, you know what I'm saying? She, he didn't want to mess up, the, he didn't want to ruffle any feathers, Obadiah. So three years into the drought, King Ahab and Obadiah are seeking provisions in the area. They're trying to find land or they're trying to find fruits, something, anything to eat um, or to bring back to their people. And they decide to separate in their quest. And the region that Obadiah takes over or like goes and searches for, he actually runs into Elijah. Hmm. Uh-huh. Um, synchronicity, the Lord's synchronicity is always intentional. Anywho, so he meets, Elijah sees Obadiah. Elijah knows what's up. Elijah goes, hey, yo, brah, Obadiah, I'm gonna need you to tell your king that I wanna meet him, like, now. And Obadiah goes to King Ahab and says, okay, king, so when I was out on my quest looking for water, actually, um... I actually ran into Prophet Elijah, and um, actually, he said that he wants to talk to you about something. <laughs> <laughs> and, and King Ahab goes, all right. So uh, um, Obadiah is like the middleman. He sets it up. He sets the meeting up or whatever. And Elijah tells Ahab, yo, you are even worse than when I last left you. I mean, look at, look, you've killed off all my prophets, and he's made but all prophets, like four, there are like 400 prophets for like Asherah. There's 450 prophets for Baal. He's literally developed new prophets that worship other gods. It's the worst thing ever. And this is what Elijah's telling him. So, you know, Elijah tells uh, King Ahab, Elijah goes, listen, let's actually square up. I'm going to need you, you, all your phony people. I'm gonna need you to bring all your fake prophets, everybody, square up, meet up at this time, whatever, and let's do this after they met. And King Ahab goes, all right, fine, fine. I'm assuming that at this point, King Ahab has seen what the Lord has done, you know, three years into the drought. So he's probably like, all right, everything he has said so far has come true. So let me just do whatever he's telling me to do. Uh, let's hop into some scripture so that... Uh, there's a little bit more uh, context. Um, so let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 19. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? Oh, hold on. Uh, Ahab told Elijah, oh, look, it's you, troublemaker. He told the prophet that. <laughs> Can you, the balls on this guy. Anyways, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have. 
in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Trouble. Ooh, okay, it's about to get really, really Game of Thronesy right now. Ooh, I can't wait. Okay, wait. So, um, 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 I'm trying to think if I should dive, and we can cut this, Clara. Um, I'm trying to think if I should dive straight into a thingy or I should break this down a bit. The Baal guy. Baal. This one, Baal. Is this the guy from the donkey? No, no, um. no, no. Baal is uh, a, a, a god. Mm. Like, it, it, you know how Yahweh is y Yahweh, that's his name? Baal is another god. Like, pagan. Is it like religions that have dead, died? No, it's more like uh, religions that it embodies like what the pagans, what the pagans in the north worshipped. So like they used to worship like um, underworld gods, all the mythical stuff. Oh. There, you can find Baal in those like those like Greek mythology. Mm -hmm. Baal and Asherah. At least that's what the the Hebrew tells us. Okay. I'm sure that I'm sure that the Quran breaks it down a different way. That, mm -hmm. That's why the Quran was written after the Bible. Like they, I knew that they they the Quran switches some things up when it comes to that. But Baal is the name of one of the gods. Yeah. The gods that were the enemy, basically to Yahweh, the enemy, mm -hmm. because they converted so many people at that time. Of course, the Lord saw them as a threat. Mm -hmm. You know. It's like West Side Story here. The gang has met up by that mountain that Elijah had said the whole group to go meet the, the clan, the Ahab clan, the Baal clan versus Prophet Elijah, basically. And he, he pitches an idea for everybody. All right? Let's hop into some scripture. 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 to 21. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? Ooh. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Ooh. How funny. Oh, Oh God, I feel like, oh gosh, oh, I just got hit again. Oh, I got dinged. Oh, I just got dinged again. Spiritually dinged. Okay. I feel like that, that was for me. Oh, <sighs> wow. It's just so funny because it's outside of my own faith. So many people I see riding the fence. They like keep one foot in the faith and one foot outside of it. Oh, it, I don't know why I'm actually, I feel like I'm experiencing something inside. Something inside of me is mm. happening. Because I, I don't know, I feel like I've done that. I've done that a lot this year. Oh, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Some days I do feel like, oh, Brie, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have said that. Sometimes when I swear, sometimes I'm like, oh, Brie, come on. Like, which one are you worshiping? Which one? I mean, I still always only worship God, but... A lot of the things that sometimes I say could be a little contradictory, and it's true. Like what you say versus how you live, in a way. Yeah, like well, in Spanish we say como que, what's it? Um, Candil de la calle, oscuridad de la casa. No, yeah, that too. Cuchara de palo. En casa de herrero, cuchara de palo. That's how we say it. But what I meant was more like como que actúa lo que whatever you preach. You know, like you have to act 
whatever you. Uh, I, don't know how to say. I know what you're saying. You have to live by what you say. You like go. that's yeah. what credence is. That's like be who you say you are, both in public and private. Exactly. Right. And I've found myself like not practicing that especially the last couple of weeks because I've been so depressed and manic and stuff. But you had like a... Yeah. Chemical explosion, so... I know, and the practice is to keep practicing during those moments. It's actually like an alarm system for you to, hey, oh, so now, now that you're going manic right now, overload the prayers, overload. Like, this is the time to... This is what the practice is about. Also, how many breakdowns have you had since you started your faith? journey um like you haven't had much practice too many to count no no like no, big no, ones no. like big ones like this time no 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 this last one was it's, it's like a once a year that's what i'm saying like you you haven't had that much practice either to you know right. stay strong i'm still a babe in the faith and i'm still growing please pray for me <laughs> Please pray for me. Carry on, carry on, carry, carry on, on, carry on, carry on. Anyways, um, did I already read? Yeah, I already read the the thing about Bob. Okay, so <clears throat> so basically, what Elijah is telling all of Israel, the crowd of people, he says, "Listen, our God is a jealous God." Our God wants to be in a monogamous relationship with you. Our Lord does not want to be in an open polyamorous relationship with you. It's either me or them, but pick one. Because a lot of these Israelites, a lot, I mean, Obadiah, who was still with the Lord, like he was still, you know, he, he saved hundreds of prophets in the cave. But even him though, you're working for the opposite guy and you're doing it so you don't die. You're not, you're, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. you think you're going to die, so you feel like you have to ride both. When you don't, when you really, really, really put your, like, faith to work, you would trust that the Lord got you. Yeah, look at Elijah. Look at Elijah. Mm -hmm. Well, let me continue with Elijah. Oh, we so, lose yeah. them too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We haven't gotten to chapter Aww. 19 yet. But we're in, we are in chapter 18, though. So at this point, the crowd is here. And Elijah starts being like David Blaine, magician. He's like, all right, guys, let's play a game. Or like the saw guy, want to play a game? He says, you guys, we're going to get two bulls. Bring me two bulls. Someone bring me two bulls. Two bulls in the back. <laughs> one's going to be for me and one's going to be for y'all, the, the Baal prophets and all those people. And he goes, all right, listen, we're going to chop them up. Bada -bum 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 -bum. And then... I'm going to even make you guys go first. He made. He said, "You guys can pick which bull." So they picked one. Whatever they made a little, a little. Uh, you know, because when you do burnt offerings and stuff, they have to make a little, a little, uh, like a pl like plate. I don't want to say plating, but like a setup for it. Mm. So Elijah goes, "All right, bet. Now that the bull's chopped up, would you please call to Baal?" Baal, who was the Lord, the God of fire and thunder, Elijah goes, hey, why don't you actually pray to your Lord to burn this bull in front of all of us now? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, 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 I'll do it. Elijah says, I mean, your God is the God of fire and thunder. I'm sure he, I'm sure he could do that, right? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Any day now. You guys. The people and the prophets of Baal, the phony prophets, they pray for hours. 
and nothing. He doesn't show up, not once. Mm. In fact, they end up cutting themselves because in the Baal culture, this is what I'm saying, they into blood work and stuff, and you know what I'm saying? But um, they end up cutting themselves and like pouring their blood on the dirt because the Baal wasn't listening to them. And in their cult, in their culture, in that belief, in that pagan belief, it's said that the blood is to awaken the gods in the underworld. If you guys have any more information on that, please let me know because I'm not I'm not well versed in that realm, and I'm always down to learn. But that that's why they were cutting themselves and pouring them in the blood in the thing because they were like, okay, Plan B, the Lord's not working, our prayers aren't working. So Elijah says, "Wow, well, 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 what do we have here? Your Lord never came. It's my turn now, right? My turn. Okay, everybody, put the blood away." Put a Band-Aid on that, boy. He goes, now, let me chop up my bull. He does it all himself. Bada bing, bada boom. Puts a couple stones and whatever. You know what Elijah does? Elijah ends up trolling people. He ends up making it a show. He goes, hey, does anyone have water that we can pour water around the bull? Actually, he, he builds a trench around the bull, around Elijah's bull. Put some stones here, some whatever, and drenches it in water. Mind you, it's a drought. It's a famine. So he's not, he's he's literally being a troll here, kind of, because they're short on water, and yet he's doing it to like showboat boast a little bit. Like, my Lord, our Lord, the the only Lord, Yahweh, is not only going to show up and appear, but he's going to engulf this bull in flames despite all the water that's being poured on it. Okay? you guys. And in a moment, the Lord appears once Elijah prays on him and the bull just combusts in flames and there's like a huge thunder. And I'm talking about the production value on this, on this story was high. Okay. And listen, it's like a, a earthquake thunderous appear. You know, when Yahweh comes, you feel it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I don't know if there was a trumpet there. I didn't see it in the text, but in my head, there's a trumpet, you know? And everyone sees this. And all of a sudden, everybody collapses to their knees and they go, oh my gosh, we are so sorry. Yes, Yahweh is the way. Yes, 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 Yahweh is the way. Let's hop into some scripture so we have a little bit more context about that drama, that dramatic moment, the Christopher Nolan style moment. <laughs> Uh, first Kings chapter 18 verses 37 to 40. Uh, this is by the way, what Elijah is telling to the Lord before the burning of the bull. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people, that these people may know you, O Lord, O God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Yeah, so Elijah had all of the, the Baal prophets murked. Wow. Kaput. By himself. Arriba Darchi. With the Lord. But by With himself. the Lord. And also, I'm assuming that there are, like, the, there are people that converted then and there who obviously helped do <laughs> it's fine yeah i'll take it yeah <laughs> exactly so and uh, of course this doesn't happen immediately after but during this time that you know 
I mean, Elijah got street cred now. You know what I'm saying? Um, Elijah sends servants out to monitor the weather. Like, give me daily weather reports, right? Because he literally said, and after this day, guys, I'm telling you right now, the drought is going to end. Mm. The drought is going to end. Meanwhile, everyone's hungry, thirsty. <laughs> like, they just witnessed this. They think they're on a psychedelic drug. <laughs> like, they're literally like, what is going on, mm -hmm. right? So he sells, even despite that, he says the drought is going to end. But no, I don't even think at that point, maybe he didn't even believe it, you know? But he knew he was in front of people. And he knew that he had his job as a disciple, as a prophet, was to instill and, like, pour faith into people, mm -hmm. right? Or like we talked about with mm -hmm. Moses. Remember when he, with the people who, um, when he'd send out people to observe the area mm -hmm. and they'd come back if they were if they revealed negative news to a large crowd the large crowd would go in the negative direction mm -hmm, yeah, but right. if you display a, a neutral positive grounded place in front of a group they then will also like a like a mimic that you know mm -hmm. so he says he sends servants out and he says not only is the lord going to end the drought you guys are going to be able to witness it i just need you guys the servants to send me daily reports so for 7 days these servants would Go out, scope the scene, come back with the forecast. The first six days weren't looking great. <laughs> like they would go and come back and be like, yep, it's still dry out there. And prophet Elijah would say, go back and give me another forecast. The next day, go back. Come back to Elijah. It's still a drought, sir. We're still very much a drought, drier than yesterday. <laughs> this goes on for six days until the seventh day. And on the seventh day, the servants come back and they say, you know, it's still a drought, but we actually did see this like tiny little cloud in a corner. That was new. They thought they were delivering bad news. Mm. But what they didn't know was that was not a little cloud. For Elijah, that was the Lord. That, yeah. that meant that. A change was going to come. Mm. Change going to come. Sam Cooke. Oh, yes, it will. You don't know Sam Cooke? Change, a change will come? Uh, I'll play a little bit of it here. It's been a long, a long time coming. And now we're going to wind down the episode, guys. So after Elijah killed all those prophets from Baal, in front of all of those people, he changed the hearts of so many people who had been, you know, worshiping other gods um, to worship Yahweh. King Ahab tells his wife, who wasn't at the showdown, he goes, hey, yo, listen, Prophet Elijah murked all your people. And remember what we said? Queen Jezebel was from Baal. Like, she was a child of Baal. She grew up in the Baal house. Her father and her mother were Baalians. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a word. But so when her husband, King Ahab, said that Prophet Elijah had 450 Baal prophets killed, she was furious. And she called to see that Prophet Elijah die in the worst way. But you'll have to stay tuned to Bible Stories with Brianda next week to see what happens. Mm -hmm. Moral of the story is, well, there were way too many moral of the stories to pick from, but today I'll leave you with this. 
All we need is a little drop of faith to begin seeing a change in our lives, even if it's as small as a mustard seed. Now, of course, it is our job to pray for more faith each and every day, whether we are at peace or not. You know, asking for faith as a practice allows us to be more present, less anxious, more hopeful, you know? I mean, let's look at what happened in 1 Kings chapter 18. When prophet Elijah asked his servant to give him weather updates for seven days in hopes for rainfall in order to end the drought, remember that? Those servants presented back-to-back bad news to Elijah. But when they reported seeing a little cloud in the sky, they thought they were giving Elijah more bad news. Mm -mm. That little cloud in the sky meant the world to Elijah. That little cloud was assurance from God that the days of their devastating famine were coming to an end. A change was going to come, and the Lord is going to deliver a change in our world. You know what? Consider the change already done. Ooh. Hmm. Hey, Father. Uh, how did the episode go? Cool, yeah. Elijah really is the man. Are you mad at me for smoking? You know, I wasn't, it was just, it was fake. It's not real. There's oregano in there. Mm -hmm.